My name is Sarah Harrison. I am a technical advisor at the IFRC Reference Center for Psychosocial Support, and you are listening to Heartbeat of Humanity, a podcast series for staff and volunteers in the Red Cross and Red Crescent Movement, working with mental health and psychosocial support services. In this episode, we will be speaking with Dr. Eliza Chung, a technical advisor also from the IFRC Psychosocial Center, based in the Asia-Pacific region in Hong Kong. We will be speaking about the concept of pandemic fatigue and the results from a survey recently conducted with Red Cross Red Crescent National Societies across the Asia-Pacific region. So thank you for joining us for this episode, Eliza. The first question I have um, for you is, what is pandemic fatigue? Hi, Sarah. Thank you for having me to uh, join the podcast today. Um, Regarding pandemic fatigue, um, the COVID-19 pandemic has persisted for more than a year globally, and it has been like continuously disrupting people's daily life. We have observed that the longer the pandemic endures, the more challenging for the public health interventions to be applied. Uh, Some in the community may also feel weary and exhausted emotionally. And the media also observed it and reported it as signs of pandemic fatigue. However, this term, pandemic fatigue, is not well understood by the researchers or academia yet. So um, some people also concerned about like the term fatigue may not be very easy to measure or it may refer to too broadly, um, like from subjective feelings of tiredness to impaired ability to perform or distress results from um, like a prolonged circumstances. Um, And therefore, people are thinking that it may not be a single or simple conceptual framework that is enough for us us to understand fatigue, given its complexities. And therefore, um, we try to uh, look into some of the um, uh, scientific literature and to um, try to understand this construct more. Um, Hopefully, by understanding more, we can try and prevent um, its adverse uh, impacts. And and it's particularly, uh, we try to look into uh, some of the policy framework published by the World Health Organization um, late uh, 2020. Um, They have uh, tried to define pandemic fatigue as the distress as a reaction to a sustained and unresolved adversity, which may lead to complacency, alienation, and hopelessness. And this distress also emerged like gradually over time and is affected by a number of um, like emotions, experience and perception. And um, combining this reference and also from our observation and experience in the direct um, services in the community and and some other references in behavioral science, um, we try to come up with this survey on pandemic fatigue. And is it a term that's specific just for for COVID-19 and also just for Asia-Pacific? Or did you see that it's come up in other regions or places in the world as well? Uh, actually, I think this um, this terminology refers to like a global phenomenon that we are observe, observing right now. Um, originally, the document from WHO is uh, basically focusing on the, um, it's coming from the regional office for Europe. But I okay. guess this is uh, definitely like a global phenomenon. Mm. And um, before the pandemic, I would say we in, in the literature, we, we rarely see this, this term. 
it's only after the COVID-19 has emerged, then um, we, we start seeing this terminology in the, in, in the media and also in the academic literature. And then why did the Asia-Pacific region within the IFRC regions, why did you decide to do a survey on, on this issue? And who was involved in the survey? Yeah, uh, Asia-Pacific region has been the first region being hit hard by COVID-19 and is still facing an uphill battle to contain the pandemic at present. Having been like fighting such a battle for so long, we would like to know how our staff and volunteers have been doing in terms of their own well-being and also the potential impact of pandemic fatigue among them. So the survey was actually uh, designed last year and was conducted between uh, December 2020 to January 2021. It is mainly conducted like online and um, we have uh, received a total of 470 um, questionnaires eligible for analysis. Uh, These respondents are all affiliated uh, with the uh, Red Cross and Red Cross National Society in the Asia Pacific region. And then how did you send the survey out? Is it something on like a social media channel or was it an email? Uh, It was distributed through the email um, uh, to send to our contact point in different national societies and also the country offices or uh, the country cluster offices. So for them to distribute to their staff and volunteers. So mainly is really within our movement. And then could you give us some of the examples of the questions that were asked in the survey? Yeah, um, some of the questions that uh, we ask in the survey include those uh, directly related to uh, pandemic fatigue. Uh, We have also uh, asked some um, behavioral outcomes related to the the public health, um, like behavioral measures, Uh, for example, like the uh, compliance or the help-seeking behavior. Um, and, and also we ask some of the resources and barriers for people to, uh, to cope with the, uh, the pandemic. Um, actually, a very similar survey was also conducted in Hong Kong by the Hong Kong Red Cross branch, but yes. asking the general public on these constructs. And and yes, and and also from their results, because uh, uh, they were managed to collect a bit more uh, response and Mm. uh, some factor analysis was conducted. And we found out that there are in fact um, three components uh, of the pandemic fatigue. Um, So namely, they are the cognitive component, Uh, For example, the perceived um, susceptibility, uh, which means um, in the question we ask, um, I feel like it's unlikely that I will be infected by COVID-19. Some other constructs are like the perceived severity. Um, For example, if I got infected with COVID-19, the health consequences of the infection should not be serious for me. And also uh, another construct is like the uh, self efficacy. Uh, What I have been doing cannot help with the situation much, as I alone cannot make a great difference to the condition. So you can see they are all related Mm. to how we think of the pandemic. And therefore, um, we try to, um, uh, when when we see that this component exists um, in the pandemic fatigue survey, we group it all under the, uh, the cognitive aspect. 
And the um, second aspect of it is about the emotion, um, they like the emotional component, like the depressed mood, um, information, overwhelmed, anxiety. Um, yes. And the questions is like, um, I, I'm feeling down or depressed because of the pandemic, or I feel overwhelmed by the information that comes from the news and the social media mm. about the COVID-19. So that's the second component. And the third one uh, is mainly about the attitude towards the public health measures. Uh, mm. For example, the um, the perceived inconvenience or complacency. Mm. Uh, the exact question would be like uh, the public health preventive measures, for example, lockdowns, wearing masks have caused a lot of inconvenience to me. Um, or um, we are making great progress now and should take a break from the public health preventive measures in order to um, tap onto the construct on complacency. So yes. these are some of the questions that we ask in the survey. And the, the scale that you were measuring, is this looking at, I, I agree, to I disagree with a statement, or is it a number that they put on a scale? How did you measure their response? Yes, we are asking uh, using the Likert scale of um, like the degree of agreement of endorsement of the statement. And what were some of the preliminary survey results that you've managed to gather? We obviously had a lot of responses, 476, I think you said. Right, right. And the ratio of the respondents in our survey is around um, 60 to 40. Like 60% of the respondents are our staff and 40% are our, our volunteers. And among like 38 uh, national societies in the Asia-Pacific region, we have respondents coming from uh, 21 national societies responding in our survey. So it is quite, it's quite good in that sense. Yeah, it's great to hear there's so much engagement as well. Yes, indeed. And when we ask about the uh, the public health uh, behavioral outcomes of the respondents, like the compliance and, and help-seeking behavior, I think it's, it's good to know that uh, in total, I mean, uh, over 80% of our respondents agree or strongly agree that they have been following the public health preventive measures. And also they uh, like um, they also seek help when they feel like that they, they fall ill. So in terms of the uh, behavioral outcomes, is quite um, satisfactory. To, to further look into the factors that would affect the behavioral outcomes, we have found that people who are currently employed tend to comply more to the public health measures. It's interesting. So we're realizing that, that income and economic factors is having an impact actually on compliance. Exactly. It might be because people are more able to comply if they have money to do it. Um, I presume, maybe, or maybe their jobs allow them to stay at home and work from home and comply with a stay-at-home type order. Yeah, and also uh, if they are like employed uh, currently, then they may be more sensitive to the change yeah. in the economic situation. And therefore, um, they also adjust their behavior and to comply more to the public health measures um, so that like uh, maybe like the economic income would be um, less if the yes. um, pandemic is more controlled. Yeah. And right. did you have any gender breakdown in the results? So among all the survey that um, we have collected, um, we have 53% of them are female and 45% of them are male. Um, but we have yet to really like break them down in terms of how the females and the males are answering um, our questions. But this is something that probably after this initial assessment, we will further look into this uh, subgroup uh, situation. So can you tell us some more about the results that you've received? 
Yes. And uh, in terms of the uh, pandemic fatigue that we ask our um, respondents, our staff and volunteers within the uh, Red Cross and Red Crescent movement, mm -hmm. I think it's worth noting that um, around 40% of our respondents saying that they um, they feel depressed uh, in times of uh, the pandemic. They agree or, or strongly agree to this statement. And also uh, almost 60% of our respondents are saying that um, they feel anxious or worried um, because of uh, the pandemic. I guess, um, although these are not like uh, some measures or some um, um, questionnaires that we ask whether or not they have the depressive symptoms or anxiety symptoms. It's more like the um, the self-reporting uh, yes. perception of how they feel uh, during yeah. the pandemic. But uh, this situation is also something I think we should pay more attention to. Maybe it will also affect how we uh, look at uh, like caring for our carers or the duty mm -hmm. of care that we, we should support our staff and volunteers. And those results were coming from both the staff and the volunteer cohorts. Yes, uh, although the, like the uh, the percentage dif differ a little bit, but the general pattern is still the same uh, among our staff and volunteers in terms of the depressed mood, anxiety, uh, and some other um, like emotional aspect of pandemic fatigue. Yeah, and I presume, as you were saying, then this is they're not symptom checklists, so these are not necessarily mental health conditions but it is indicating higher levels of anxiety within, yeah. within the volunteers and staff responding. Yeah, exactly. And then in terms of the results, um, once you've kind of completed the full analysis of them, I know this is just a preliminary survey results you're presenting here, but um, what would the results mean in practice in terms of current emergency operations with national societies in the Asia-Pacific region or even from, from IFRC? Yes, I, I think uh, it reminds us like the importance of um, caring for our carers. Our staff and volunteers have been responding in the front line since the very first day of this pandemic and it has already already like entering the uh, the second year of the um, of the condition. So um, it may be really a time for us to to take a look at um, whether or not we have the sufficient policy or practices uh, to also support our, our, our staff and volunteers who are so essential in our overall operation. And at the same time, um, as I said, the same set of um, questionnaire on pandemic fatigue has also been uh, conducted in Hong Kong. And because at that survey, um, they were uh, managed to um, get a bit more of the responses and some other statistical uh, analysis would be possible. In some of the regression model from the results in Hong Kong uh, has also indicated that people with better um, social support system uh, they also report um, like higher compliance and better help-seeking behavior. I guess this is important for us to to know that like how our our support system actually helping each individual um, coping in the pandemic. Yeah, and and we have also found in the regression model that health literacy. So how mm. people understand the. Um, uh, like like the uh, the pandemic, the virus, or uh, protection of oneself, and also the cognitive and emotion components of pandemic fatigue. They all they all predict our behavioral outcome. 
So like citizens with uh, higher health literacy or people yes. who have um, greater accessibility to some um, like hygiene supplies in the mm. survey, they were also found more willing to take infection control measures. So um, all these components are actually interacting with one another. Yeah, it just shows the importance of context and your external environment, including your social support, but also your income, I guess, and your access to health supplies or health information um, to protect yourself is having a direct impact on, like you said, well-being and um, and coping in general. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's almost like a wonderful definition of the of the term psychosocial, where social being your external environment and and psychological being your internal world. Yes, and, and this is uh, very important for us to know that pandemic fatigue is uh, not only like a mental health phenomenon, but yeah. definitely one public health uh, issue. Mm-hmm. And in previous outbreaks um, and, or, and in some other like uh, disease outbreak situation, in the operation, uh, on and on, people are highlighting the importance of mental health and psychosocial support because they are actually one of the main pillars when we are tackling the, um, the outbreak control. So, yeah, I think it's a good reminder for all of us. And um, the last question I have for you, um, are there any recommendations or lessons learned that you would like to share from either conducting the survey from a methodology perspective or in terms of the preliminary results, either from the the region-wide one or the one you conducted with Hong Kong? Yeah, I think... um, from these surveys and, and also the analysis, uh, once again, is reminding us that pandemic fatigue is not only like a mental health phenomenon, but also a public health issue. And supporting uh, mental health and psychosocial support is uh, also essential part of the um, disease outbreak control. Uh, there could be like a multiple um, facets of the pandemic fatigue, um, including like the individual perspective, emotional, cognitive perspective, as well as the um, the environmental contextual uh, situation. So when we are trying to develop some of the um, intervention in the community or engaging in the community, um, maybe we can like think a bit more in, in this um, perspective. Um, for example, people with less developed social support network, we know that from the survey, they may be the people who experience difficulties in complying to the public health measures. Maybe we need to provide uh, more support to them. Uh, they could be some of the uh, vulnerable populations or communities um, in the society, uh, or maybe um, elderlies or some um, ethnic minority groups who have uh, less access to the information. So I guess uh, it echoes with um, what we have been um uh, like promoting or saying to everyone that uh, we all has a role in the pandemic, um, not only uh, by protecting ourselves, we can also reach out to those who, who may need more support. Um, maybe as easy as um, trying to make yourself available for like a chat with someone um, for five minutes uh, per day, um, talk to uh, some of your friends or relatives who you think may have um less social social support or may have less uh, like access to information or resources um, try to um, provide them with all these like information and care I guess in in doing that we all are already like um, having several steps forward in terms of the um, the pandemic um, control 
So it's about proactively reaching out to the the more vulnerable or potentially isolated in societies to make sure they're also getting the same information and access to protect themselves. Yes, exactly. And in terms of how we engage our our community, uh, I know that our uh, colleagues in the community engagement and accountability group they have also published the pandemic fatigue first aid guide. Um, when when we are like reaching out to um, like different populations in the society, then uh, we can also adopt some of the um, like recommendations from their guide, like listening more to um, their worries and, and concerns, and also mm-hmm. to um, Uh, highlight some of these success stories in the communities. Great. And then was there any um, suggestions or recommendations in relation to to caring for the carers or staff and volunteers who are are kind of the first responders or on the front line in this, this pandemic response? Yes, I, I think for for us in the um, Reference Center for Psychosocial Support, we have been um, like advocating uh, the the importance of caring for carers, and um, it, it is not just the responsibility of um, like the direct supervisor or the um, or the providers themselves. Maybe in the organization perspective, uh, we also need to have this um, system to uh, to make sure that people got enough rest and care. Um, Maybe it's about the scheduling of um, people's tasks and operations. Um, maybe it's also like a regular um, um, like chance for them to uh, to share their feelings and concerns, and also to feedback on uh, their their uh, like experience in in the operation. So, um, like all of this together, um, we we are talking about like a, a comprehensive model of caring for carers. But of course, for individual supervisors and um, staff and volunteers, I would also like highly recommend um, people to go and have a look uh, in some of the guides that the PS Center has published uh, regarding um, caring for carers and duty of care. Thank you very much for your time um, to go through the survey results. Um, it's always interesting to learn what's happening in the Asia Pacific region with the national societies and the IFRC office there. So thank you. Thank you, Sarah. You have been listening to Heartbeat of Humanity, a podcast series for Red Cross, Red Crescent Movement, staff and volunteers about mental health and psychosocial support. In this episode, we explored the concept of pandemic fatigue and discussed the preliminary survey results from a recent survey conducted in the Asia-Pacific region. You can find more resources about mental health and psychosocial support on the IFRC Psychosocial Centre website. Resources include manuals, webinars, policy documents, programme materials, educational videos, and information about upcoming trainings and workshops. My name is Sarah Harrison, and I hope you enjoyed listening to this Heartbeat of Humanity podcast. Remember that mental health matters.